When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the show where we talk all about Watford FC. My name is Matt Messiano and joining me as usual are football analyst Jordan Weimer and football journalist Tom Burdell. Right, well, there's uh, there's no midweek game to discuss, but we thought we'd bring you a pod anyway, so uh, we might be all, all over the place in this one. But the aim is to go through the games that Watford have left from now until the end of the season and also to have a look at Watford's main competition uh, for that second spot in the likes of Brentford and Swansea. Uh, and it, at this stage, it looks like those are going to be the three teams that are going for second place. I think Barnsley probably too far behind in fourth on, on 64 points, 11 less than what for what. Would you agree with that, guys? I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, it seems to be kind of closing in on that, that pack of three there, fighting for second. Uh, there's an outside chance, depending on how Norwich you know, continue and we, we could catch up with them, but it seems increasingly unlikely. But then, I mean, you look at the table, it's not, it's not too far off. It would just take quite a... Quite a capitulation from Norwich, but yeah, those three teams, um, Barnsley, I mean, they're an outsider, but it's not that far either in some ways. So it's going to be fascinating to see how it pans out. Well, as you said, Norwich is top. They've got 83 points, played 38. Watford have uh, got 75 points. They've played 38 as well. And then the two below, Swansea and Brentford, they've got 69 and 68 points respectively, both with 37 games. So that means they've got the extra game in hand and we'll discuss that as well. Um, Let's start off by looking at Watford's fixtures then. And... um, the, the first one, that the, the most immediate one coming up on Good Friday is, is Sheffield Wednesday at home. Um, probably one of the last games we've got uh, against opposition that you would say Watford should be beating just because of the position where they are currently in the table. But like we discussed in, in the last pod, Sheffield Wednesday are by no means there because of the points tally they've accrued, because of course they've had that points deduction. They should be a bit higher up. So certainly they haven't been as bad as their as their position reflects. And it's probably won't be, I don't know, it's difficult to say that the Birmingham and Rotherham games were easy, but it's not going to be as easy as those as those games. I think it's a different job, isn't it? It's it's a different different style of game and as you say, they're kind of a little bit lower than they should be based on their point deduction early on in the season. So it's gonna be a tough one. But yet again it feels like kind of our last promotion season that really felt like that turning point with that, that final running came from that that double header in the, over the Easter weekend against Derby and Middlesbrough and then here we are again uh, in that similar situation now with the two Easter games and Middlesbrough coming straight after on the Monday so it does feel like that's going to be a pretty crucial weekend even as you say that Sheffield Wednesday game is one you're looking at where I'd say that's probably the one where you feel mo- it's the most 
must win in terms of getting points on the board it feels like that's kind of really important obviously you've got the games against the teams you're facing but it feels like if you were to drop points anywhere this would be the one you'd really have concerns about despite the fact it is actually you know still a decent standard of opposition it's not going to be I don't think it's going to be a walkover and I think you're right in saying it's probably not going to be one where we put three goals past Wednesday but then again it could be, depends on how we turn up. We've been very good recently, so we shouldn't underestimate ourselves either. Um, there should be a lot of confidence going into this one, but it's hard not to feel that kind of outside pressure and, and have a little bit of nerves going into it. And then five of the next uh, seven that Watford have are against teams that are in the top 10. So it, it certainly looks quite tricky. We've got Middlesbrough, Reading, Norwich, of course, Brentford and Swansea. And then, and then, and then the other two that, um, that you know, you probably shouldn't shouldn't forget uh, Luton and Millwall. Um, no one likes no no one likes playing against Millwall. And then Luton, they've got you know almost like a a, a bigger reason to to beat Watford than um, than just trying to stop them from from getting to uh, to second place. They they want to get their revenge for 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 what for beating them earlier on, you know, at, at home. So it's you know oh man, I mean. Some of those games, I, I wish that we, we had played them earlier on in the season and still be on the same points tally we've got because it's not an easy running for Watford at all. Can I just say one we, thing? I know I've, I've not, not let you talk at all, Tom, yet, so I apologise for that. I just want to raise one point, <laughs> which I think might lead into what you're going to say. But is it, just, is it just me that feels kind of quite positive about the fact that two of those, if you're looking at three fixtures in, in Norwich, Brentford and Swansea are kind of the big ones, at this stage of the season, as things lay, especially that slight point lead, I actually feel quite good about us playing two of those three games away now. I actually kind of almost prefer that in some ways. I think it suits us to kind of go away from home now and, and know that we're trying to stop the opposition from kind of catching up and, and getting that point lead on us, hopefully by that point anyway. Um, I do wonder if that might play into our hands. I do think we've got... I almost worry more about the psyche of the team going into a game at home with more expectation to beat these teams around us. I actually feel like I'm more confident of getting something more acceptable in terms of a point or three in those games now we're away from home. Don't know if anyone else feels like the same way, but it's just saying I kind of feel looking through those fixtures right now. I would say I, I, I feel more confident about playing away just because of what I've seen lately. Which is ridiculous because of the home record we have. We have the best home record in the country. But there's Absolutely. something there's something about playing away from home with teams that are chasing you. You know the pressure's gonna be on. I feel like there's gonna be some open there's some open you know areas to exploit there. Mm. For everything that's been said about our away record, we do have the sixth best away record in the division at the moment, which you know is not to be sniffed at given how wretched we were at one point <laughs> earlier in the season. So yeah, I, I take what I definitely take what you're saying, and I think that you can't uh, overestimate the kind of factor of fans not being in the stadiums. Is it the final two they might make? I think that's the case in the Premier League. I'm not quite sure how it syncs up for the Championship and the Football League, I must admit, but that would obviously be a big factor ordinarily, wouldn't it? It just, you know, it changes changes everything. And certainly, for example, for that Luton game, the fact that that's going to be played behind closed doors, we saw the impact that that had at Vicarage Road earlier on in the season, you know, I think um, Nathan Jones at the time said you wouldn't even have known it was a derby kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I think there's there's definitely something to be said for that. And, you know, again, Middlesbrough, you know, they're ninth at the moment. They're just outside the playoffs. You can imagine Neil Warner would have them, or will have them. He will have them right up for it regardless. But, you know, a full Riverside, you know, backing them, it's, um, it, it, it just changes the... The, the lens that you look through look, look through everything with and I think you can cut it both ways but personally um the fact that we've got a tough run in I'm quite positive given that we're in a great nick you know great run of form 
and we are playing teams that if we take points off them it will potentially generally out- affect the outcome there's nothing worse than that final day and uh, what was it 12-13 uh, when we're at home to Leeds and you're just begging praying desperate for something to come through from the, the whole mm-hmm. Cardiff game um, and you know being out of your hands so you know if we had a load of rubbish teams I'd be like brilliant we got it we got this nailed no worries four points between now and the end of the season we're going up start your Premier League plans but you know it's the nature of being a football fan isn't it you kind of find positivity in everything well I do think it actually works in our favour that these these big games are stacked kind of late at the end of the season I think the psychological boost that we've had from from accumulating those points and I think not having those games in hand, just getting the games done and getting the points on the board, I think has been a huge boost um, mentally for the team. I think we've, we're in the best state, I'd say probably psychologically and in terms of football and the pitch that we've been for a long for a long time, for a number of seasons, in my opinion. I think we look really good. There's a lot of confidence there. I don't think it's necessarily a fragile confidence either. I think a lot of the... You look at the kind of the way the players are handling themselves, the way we're playing on the pitch. I think the team really does feel pretty strong um, in all areas. So I think if you if you're the other teams looking around and looking at Watford, you probably it's probably looking quite a daunting task to catch up now. Um, and and those big games, I I just think it comes at a good time for us. I mean, obviously, it, it remains to be seen what the tables could look like when we head into those last four. But if it's anything close to what it is now then, I mean, that's a ton of pressure on the likes of Norwich and Brentford when we're playing them at, at their respectively at home. That, that's huge for them. They've got to really come out and they've got to win those games. And I just think I'd always, every time, take being in the in the opposite position. And, yeah, I'm just feeling pretty confident. Having said that, of course, it could change at any point, but it, it's just, to me, I would take this, this spot 10 times out of 10. I was just going to say to what you kind of you took the point on there for me Jordan nicely but you know it's not inconceivable the job is virtually done if we continue the run of form we're in against uh, uh Wednesday Borough Reading and Luton it's not inconceivable the job if not done then the room for slippage is so small for anyone chasing us at that point and, and hopefully they're chasing not us that as you say the pressure just cranks up even without fans in the stadium and as I said on last week's show I'm not I'm not going to be proud I'm not going to be picky I'll take second place right now no problem no yeah. questions asked I'll I tell you what I think one thing is too if, if you're talking about I'm, I'm just trying to think about it from how the players are going to respond because these situations these high pressure situations are, are really, really difficult I think there's almost more pressure on them if they had an easy run in there's so much expectation in those final games to pick up points. I do think that is more likely to cause a slip with us than us having to kind of focus in on them big games. For me, there's two problems. If you play, if you play them, them big, t- uh, sorry, the smaller sides, you've got that expectation to win. I feel like we almost started the season. I know it's it's not the same because Bournemouth aren't around that spot at all. But I think when we got a little bit a little bit overconfident, perhaps against Bournemouth, we kind of came in there playing at that half percent lower. We weren't really having that same application from the players. And I think a lot of that came from the fact that we were on quite a decent run and we were feeling quite relaxed. I think after that game, I think what that really did to us is it kind of showed us that we can't we can't let our foot off the gas. You can't you can't relax. You can't drop your lef- levels at you know five percent and not get punished for it. So I think having those big games, it's impossible to lose focus against Brentford, Norwich and Swansea in my opinion. That's you, you're going to be keyed in on that. It's the other ones around it. If you can get into them final four games in, as I said, in a, in a similar situation points-wise as to where we are now and, and have a little bit of a lead, I really do think there's there's an excellent chance that we can we can see that out. And I'd rather it be these last eight games, I'd rather the 4-on-4 the four four be this way around than the other way around, personally. 
Yeah, you think Brentford and Swansea being the last two games for Watford is a lot better than having them, say, the next two games coming up? I think it favours us. I, I do. Um, if if we're in the last, I'm just thinking of it from from our perspective. As if you kind of flip that, if you're a Brentford fan and you know you've got to beat Watford at home, that puts a lot of pressure on you right now. And we can go there, and yeah, obviously there's pressure on us, but we haven't got we haven't got to play with that same impetus that the Brentford have. We don't have to if we don't have to win that game. If we don't have to beat Swansea, if we don't have to beat Norwich, then you know we we can do that. But the the situation is if if we're still in the the lead that we are, they have to beat us. Um, and we've seen those teams, they've got frailties. Brentford have got some, I'm sure we'll get to them both in Brentford and Swansea, but they have some real frailties in their team, psychologically and on the pitch, I think. And if you can be in a position to, to maximise those frailties, then that's only going to favour us. And I don't want to get too carried away, obviously. I'm, I'd try and stay level-headed with Watford and try and look at it objectively. But I do think even if you are doing that, I think you look at Watford now as, as strong favourites to kind of clinch that second spot based on recent form uh, and based on looking at those other two teams and, and seeing the problems they've faced in recent games. In my opinion, especially in, in regards to Swansea, they're not things they'll overcome in the space of an international break. They're, they're difficult, difficult situations and difficult problems to deal with. Well, you mentioned some of those frailties there, Jordan. Why don't we have a little, have a little look at... Um... At Swansea, shall we start with Swansea? Yeah, start. Go ahead with Swansea. I think it's a good idea. So, um, to be honest, they've been falling away for a little while now, haven't they, Swansea? And and I like we've we've made the the point before on earlier pods. They um they were they were coming up with wins that performances didn't feel like they justified. So um it feels like maybe now their performances are actually catching up with them in terms of the uh the results that we're seeing, Jordan. Definitely. I think, um, I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I think all of us in some ways are fans of performance over result just because it really gives you an understanding of what's happening and can kind of give you a better insight into the future. I think if you're looking at Swansea, performances have been really bad, results have been good. Um, I say really bad, maybe maybe that's an exaggeration, but they've not been they've not been good enough to earn the results they've been getting um, throughout the throughout the season. I think they've overperformed heavily um, in, in terms of scoring goals and conceding goals, which obviously is you know the best luck you can have if you're looking to kind of try and push for them promotion spots. So for me, I, I do think their kind of their frailties and their issues are coming coming up now and. and being made more clear as, as the season's gone on. I don't think personally they can really, really continue or, or meet the levels they were at again in terms of their results. Um, even though they probably have got the easiest run of fixtures, if you're just looking at who they have to play. But for me, I think that overperformance is is very obvious. If you go and watch their games or you look through their numbers, they, they've got a lot of deficiencies. And it's kind of amazing. If you're talking about, if you're talking about kind of looking at teams that go against the odds and, and beat the numbers, then that would definitely be Swansea. But I don't think it can last forever. And I think we are at most likely, or hopefully, we're kind of at the end of that that streak for them. And uh, it, results will start going the other way, I think. If we talk about those numbers, and this is a stat that you've um, come up with here, Tom, um, you've put down that they're, they're underperforming versus their XG and, and versus their post-shot XG. Yeah, and, and this is, you know, part part big part of what Jordan was referring to there. They have... If they are based on their last six games, I've take all the stats I'm going to try out today are based on the last six. Not a massive sample size, of course, but their um, their xG over the last six games per ninety is one point three six, which is which is pretty good. That's would be sixth in the championship. 
They're only scoring a goal a game, which is slightly off that ninth. And their post-shot XG, which measures uh, shots on target only and the value of those, so takes out anything that wasn't on target, is only 0.88 per game. So it's a bit more of a sort of reliable indication. That is only good enough to be 14th in the championship. And I just think that is, you know, indicative of some of the issues that Jordan's talks, or not indicative, but the uh, issues that Jordan's talks about are indicative of that fact. And, you know, you can you can always outperform these metrics they are only a, a guideline and and Watford as well have we can talk about us in a bit in terms of the defensive side we're sort of outperforming perhaps what we should be but um you know they will always catch up with you eventually it's the, and that's the kind of the modern day equivalent of the table never lies I suppose that you know the, re- the reality of your performances will eventually uh bear out over a 46 game season and that, it's just it does seem to be happening with them doesn't it you know they've they're two games in a row now uh defeats without scoring and you know Cardiff for a good side and Bournemouth aren't, aren't mugs either but it's not the time to be sort of coughing and spluttering and grinding to a halt is it you really need to be in a you know the the moment of momentum that that Watford are I think too with Swansea they don't really get into those I mean their kind of idea is to be quite quite compact and, and relatively direct and just try and get in the box and and try and get some you know close range chances maybe get some maybe get a penalty with some contact in there they're quite aggressive in the box they try and find that space I don't think they're a particularly cohesive unit in attack I mean they struggle they struggle to get shots away I think just over the season, I think per ninety their shots uh, they're right down at sixteenth, I believe, um, in, in terms of the shots they can actually get, and that's from open play. Um, they're not extremely, they're not very creative in those situations. I think that does hurt them, and they, they've managed to get away with it because of the fact they've they've been quite tight on the other end. Um, but again, they've been overperforming there too. So I, I think even if just if one of those one of those changes if they if they don't put away their chances they start conceding goals then it's a really difficult problem to overcome and if they both happen at the same time as they're starting to now then it's really a nightmare situation for them just looking at their shot locations over the last six games they've taken there's a real cluster you can see on that on that graphic from kind of the left hand side of the penalty area but outside of it and they're all you know predictably low value chances they've it looks like they've barely had a shot on target inside the six yard box and obviously that's you know that's not easy to get that close to goal but you know we manage that quite a lot think over the course of the season the amount of goals we've scored from sort of balls slid into that area and someone just being Johnny on the spot you know it's uh it all kind of adds up to paint the picture I think that Swansea fans would tell you has been uh the case for a little while now yeah, I mean the fact that they're sixth, the fact that it's just shots and shots in general per ninety, they're sixteenth, which is you know it's it's low for a team that are pushing pushing them playoff spots and looking for automatic. You you've got to be scoring goals, you've got to be creating chances. They're not creating enough. Um, their their shot accuracy is okay when they do get a shot away, but it's just not enough quantity. Um, so you know if, if you're not being clinical, you're not taking ch- you're not creating chances. It's very difficult to get out of that. And we've we've played in teams, we've we've had sides that have, have played in a similar manner where they're looking to capitalise on the low number of chances. But if you don't have someone that's pulling them away consistently, consistently, or if you're not making high enough quality chances in the in the right areas, then it's almost impossible to to be consistently productive. Um, it, it's one thing if you're looking to stay up and you're trying to keep in games and hopefully you know you can you can get enough points or enough and enough goals to kind of keep you in in that kind of race but when you're trying to chase promotion you have to be winning a high number of games I don't think that sort of style is conducive to winning um, regularly enough to keep you in that top two um, and, and as they have been playing they've managed to kind of have them low score leads and, and win 
But as we're coming into the later, later end of the season, it's impossible to, to continue in that vein and, and come away in second. The two main uh, goal scorers there are IU and, uh, and also Jamal Lowe. That we, we know all about him with his uh, pointing at GoPros. But um, bef- below that, um, there's a few on four and five. But um, I suppose those numbers kind of really reflect what you were just saying. What you're saying there, Jordan, is that they're not taking enough shots and therefore they're not scoring enough goals. Yeah, I mean, I use the threat, isn't he? He's, he's the guy you, you worry about when you play them. He's he's the some he's the person that can create something. I think without him, it's it's difficult. I I don't when I, when I watch Swansea play, I just don't see. For we'll get onto the comparison to maybe the likes of Brentford, but I, I don't see a, a good team. Um, when I look at them, I think I went and watched Reading um, against Birmingham and seen them play a few times this season. I see a lot of similarities. I, I, I see a, a decent a decent football side. They're quite compact, but they're just not creative enough. Um, and I, I just don't think it's enough for them. Maybe AU, AU can can spur them on and, and have enough individual quality and moments to to get them some results. But for me, I just I just don't think they're they're good enough. Tom, if we look at um, Swansea's running, um, they do have probably just on paper a more favourable running. Um, if you look at teams in I don't know, let's say the top nine, for example, they've got obviously Watford and Reading. I think that's it. Everyone else is sort of in the lower half of the table. So. Obviously, any team can can surprise you, and the championship is definitely one of those leagues where you know the bottom team can beat the top team. But um, after a season, you tend to get a feeling of where everyone kind of is, and and it, it you know it, it does look like they've got an easier running. Oh, definitely. I put all the fixtures in a in a little table this morning. Who's playing when and who they've got, and then I started to do a points projection. And after doing Watford, I gave up because I thought, to be honest, I haven't watched Swansea. I don't know how well they're playing everything I hear is that they're not playing well and if I looked at that run of games on paper you're saying Birmingham well we know they're not great or at the little league bow your bounce but we dispatched with them Preston are obviously in a bad moment and they've just sacked Alex Neal Mill, yeah fine QPR are down there oh, sorry Wickham are you know going to go down QPR are no great shakes Derby are having some struggles so yeah it really is Reading and Watford um, but you can't just you can't work on that basis can you and, and kind of uh, who should beat who in, in any division, but particularly the championship, as we well know. So I think there will be some some surprises in I hope there will be some surprises in there. It'll make our lives mm. a little bit easier as long as we're not on the on the receiving end of them. But I would say of the three of us, if we assume it's just a three-way tug of war for second place, then it's their fixtures you, you, you'd probably swap for, wouldn't you? Not, notwithstanding everything we've said about how our fixture list is the best for us. And then Swansea also have a bonus game in uh, Sheffield Wednesday as well, which um, is not a bad bonus game to have, is it, Sheffield Wednesday? I know we were just talking earlier about how Watford are, are going to find it more of a struggle than the games they've previously had. But still, it's not the, it's not the same as going up against Brentford or, or even Reading. They, they've just changed manager, haven't they? And, and got a great win, Sheffield Wednesday against Barnsley. So, yes, yeah. they did. They did. I do think with I do think with Swansea though I think the way we play football the, the kind of way we operate is quite conducive to to playing these lower table teams because I think we are good now at, at creating chances and and exploiting those wide areas and we've got different ways of attacking with different avenues of attack now especially when Zinchenko was playing at number ten you saw how we how we mixed things up against. Uh, Birmingham to uh, to kind of find space and and create opportunities despite the fact we're missing some key players. I think we're good at doing that. I don't feel as confident if I'm if I'm a Swansea fan or talking from a Swansea perspective here. I don't feel as confident in Swansea breaking those teams down in the same way. I think they're going to have to kind of 
they have to they play to it in a similar fashion as, as I said they're quite direct and they're, they're not really a team that's going to over, overwhelm you um, with possession or, or attacking threat so those games they could easily be a lot closer than they have been between us and, and say Birmingham or Rotherham um, those sort of fixtures can easily um, pull Swansea in, into their kind of down to their level let's say and, and they could be a lot closer than what we've, what we've seen at Vicarage Road and in our recent performances away from home so I, again I'm not entirely confident from a Swansea perspective there's one that I really do feel will fall away from the pack I, I do think it'll be Swansea it'll probably come back to bite me now I said that but I think almost you'd look at Barnsley as being someone that could that could race up there and, and maybe pick up some points and, and take that spot or take that opportunity to fight for second off of Swansea that Cardiff game was massive, wasn't it, for, for, for Swansea? I mean, if, if you need a game to really kick you up the backside, it's going against your local rivals, isn't it? Everyone, yeah. you know, would, you know, get themselves up for that game. Even if, if Watford were, you know, in the relegation zone right now, uh, they would still want to absolutely smash Luton. And um, it's, it's the same for Swansea and Cardiff. And I think the fact that Cardiff won that one tells you quite a bit about there's the Swansea mentality at the minute. I think also too, it kill. I mean, that's the thing. When you get into these these parts of the season, the only way you can really look at it, you can't just look at it at points on the board already. You can't look at it at kind of recent results. Just that you have to think what these games mean to the to the the psyche of the squad because it does have an impact. It's impossible for it not to. And you know, you're a team that's fighting for that second place, and you've been struggling. Like we, you had them fixtures that were kind of in in recent weeks. They had them last minute penalties, and maybe you kind of feel a bit of momentum gaining there. But from that, you want to have an improvement in in your in your performance. You want to have that as a catalyst to 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 improve. And I don't think they have at all. I think you. I'm not sure if you guys have watched any of their games recently, but against Blackburn, it was a real struggle to come away with with a draw in that game. They were quite fortunate. Um, to, to do so and then Swansea Luton was a really again Luton were quite good against Swansea I thought in a lot a lot of the game and they were extremely fortunate in, in many ways to come away from that with three points flash forward to Bournemouth and, and Bournemouth you know demolished them uh, Swansea weren't anywhere to be seen which is again it's, this is this is really tough psychologically to, to bounce back from alone then when it goes to playing against Cardiff City and you know Swansea threw everything at Cardiff in that game they were much more aggressive they, they controlled the ball and obviously Cardiff we've seen are very happy to sit without the ball but I mean you know Swansea had 23 shots in that game I think obviously a lot of them were blocked, but they had one shot that actually made it on target in that match because they're they're not they're not able to break them down and Cardiff is so resolute it was extremely difficult for them. But that just shows. I mean, it, it's really tough to come back from that. I think that's probably if you talk about a season ender, I think that one could be for Swansea. I, I think it, it's probably the worst situation of any of the teams around us um, that they're in right now, and I think that one against Cardiff is could possibly be a final nail or, or the second to last nail in the coffin, if you like. <laughs> we, talk, we talked about our win over Cardiff being a moment for us. You know, could have been exactly the same thing for Swansea had they got that result. They didn't. Does it go the opposite way? You know, does it send them into a bit of a, a bit of a spiral? The other thing I was going to say about them is they've not won more than two league games in a row at any point this season. And we're obviously on a mm. run of five that have been preceded by another run of five. You can't be doing that now. You've got to put results on results on results at this stage because there is no more time to, you know, build into that momentum. So I just wonder if that's the sort of thing that's going to come back to haunt them as well. In terms of momentum and, and you know, being that catalyst, I do think if the next three games, uh, Wednesday, Borough, Reading, if we come out of those with, let's just say six points, okay, obviously optimally nine, we'd all take nine, even seven, whatever it is. I do think for me that Luton game, I think if you come out of that Luton game 
if we have a decent decent run up into then come out of that losing game with three points, I think for me that would be that would be the, that could be the catalyst for us. Um, if you come out with the derby, you've kind of hit every box. So you, you you've had a good run of form, you've kept that lead, and you've beaten your rivals coming into those final four fixtures. You're playing three big teams. I think will be in great nick. And as long as everyone's fit, I think that could be that could be a, a one for us that is that turning point, and we do start to feel even more confident going into it. Obviously, I'm not discounting the three fixtures we've got beforehand, but you have to look at these moments. As I said, you've got to try. If we're trying to figure out where things are going to end up, you can't discount these little things. And maybe it's not so little, but beating your rival in a final running and, and gaining momentum is so important. And just as we're discussing there with with Swansea and Cardiff, it's a big blow for for Swansea to kind of lose against Cardiff and, and drop down and you know lose out to their rivals. I think if we kind of say we didn't pick up maximum points from the three games against Wednesday, Borough, Reading, and then we get a loss at Luton, how do we feel then uh, going into the game against Norwich three days later? You know Lots these sorts of things can yeah exactly. And say we go into that game against Norwich and you know it's only a three points separate Brentford and Watford, then it, it becomes a big a big big game. I think the key thing is getting into them final fixtures where them games aren't as big and put the pressure on the other teams. That's what's important for us. So for me, as I said earlier, those four games coming up now are more important than the last four or could well be um, if I'm trying to predict what's happening here. Right, let's have a little look at uh, Brentford then, currently in fourth, but we feel probably the more dangerous of the sides to uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, only one point below Swansea and uh, also with a game in hand as well. That game in hand is uh, against Rotherham, but uh, that's not for a little while. Uh, they're running, looks like this, Huddersfield, Birmingham, Preston, Millwall, Cardiff, Bournemouth, Rotherham, ourselves and Bristol City. Um, again, like Swansea, it's um, it's not a bad running on paper. Tell you what, though, if from what I've watched at Brentford, I've watched quite a few Brentford games recently. I've uh, been quite quite curious to to see kind of how they're doing, and I've I've done some stuff with uh, some some Brentford supporting guys, and just kind of looking at looking at their running um, and looking at the teams they're playing. Now, in their recent fixtures, I do have to say, if if there's one way to beat Brentford, it's it's being direct and and disrupting that play in their in their own third, and and trying to get the ball into the box and and make that back line drop deep and try and cook, you know make Raya make some mistakes in goal. We've seen that quite frequently, and the most recent game I watched to Brentford was a two-two draw with Derby. I haven't seen the Forest game yet, but I watched a two-two draw with Derby, and that was a real example of that. That half-time. Brentford are, Brentford are kind of quite dominant, obviously, on the ball we saw against us. They like to build up from the back and, and be quite creative down the wings. But in recent in recent games, they've really struggled to to get that right side working. Um, Sergi Canos is kind of playing in from that left at times, but it's not quite coming off. He scored a nice goal, but we're not able to see that consistency in attack. They are relying quite heavily on Ivan Tony, and in recent weeks, they've gone quite direct to him. And it's not really working for them. It's not looking great. Um, they got a decent 2-0 lead against Derby but the second half Derby came out and they were much more direct much more aggressive and they pushed that Brentford line back and once that ball kept coming into the box Brentford really didn't have a way of answering it despite having quite a strong centre-back pairing and Reed and uh, Winston Reed and Ponders Janssen they just weren't able to get the ball out and that chance just kept coming back and back and back and they, they just capitulated and I think that's that's a real sign there that if, if Brentford are to kind of rectify these issues they're having they have to be able to avoid that and if they're looking to avoid them sort of them sort of opponents, they, they've not got a great run in really. I mean, the likes of maybe Huddersfield, I, I wouldn't feel too confident on. I think there's quite, I feel quite strongly that Brentford could could pick up three points away there. When you come against Birmingham, they can be they can be they can cause you all sorts of problems in your own box. Same with Preston, same with Millwall. Even though Millwall haven't been the most creative, but then you come down to Cardiff, and again, that's one that I would look at as as a potential slip up for Brentford there. 
and even even Rotherham. Um, I don't feel amazingly confident for for Brentford in some of these games. And in Bristol City, last game of the season, if Nigel Pearson could do us a favour, that'd be fantastic. Um, but his, his teams again; these are all teams on paper to me. If I look at them in individual fixtures, I think there's quite a few teams that can cause Brentford problems. I would be much more concerned if um, Brentford's fixtures involved the likes of, you know, playing, say, I don't know, just for argument's sake, Coventry or a team that even though. Yeah, I mean, Coventry is a good example. Coventry beat them 2-0 earlier on the season. But teams that look to play in a little bit more of a, a little bit more of an organised fashion, I think they can they can exploit. And I just feel in that final run-in, they've got quite a tough one for them, as particularly for, 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 for Brentford. Maybe for us, it'd be a little bit different, but for Brentford, I think it's a tough run-in. They've got possibly the best striker in the division in, in Ivan Tony, though, uh, Tom. Yeah, they do, and obviously the 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 scare a few weeks ago when he was out of the team. You know, I think we were all in the nicest possible way hoping um, that that might keep him out for a few weeks. Obviously, it hasn't affected him, and he's now got twelve and twelve uh, since that little run, or, or, or I think inclusive of that little run. Actually, that little period where he's unavailable, and you know, that, I think the thing with with Brentford is yes, he is the very clear threat. Yes, he is an excellent player. Nine goals from. The penalty spot but you know still a phenomenal record and he's probably got a chance of scoring more goals than anyone else has ever scored at this level in a single season so he'll be hunting that down without question we kept him fairly quiet from memory in the um in the home game against them didn't we i can't recall him having too many chances albeit i don't think we'd really deserved much from that um that game against them uh, ours the thing, obviously, is that after him, you're looking at um, you're looking at Canos, aren't you, with seven goals? And there really isn't another out and out striker. If you look at their squad and and the kind of apps to goals ratio this season, there really isn't another striker that scores in his absence. I mean, it's a great, obviously, it's a great weapon to have, and everyone would love one. Um, but even uh, Mbueno, who was obviously part of the BMW forward line last season, you know, with uh, Saeed Ben Rama and Ollie Watkins. And, you know, they were so, so dangerous. He's only scored four this season against an XG of about six, give or take. So they're they're evidently a very good side and and everything for all the reasons that Jordan said, and, you know, the the way they play football and and the way they try and build things. and, And they've kind of been building, I think, as a club to a kind of crescendo now, haven't they? They were fifth last season and in the playoffs a few years ago they're gonna they're evidently going to be there or thereabouts but if there was just one thing that would worry me if I was a Brentford fan it's that reliance on uh on on the goals of Tony well I think also Mbemo has had a really tough season this year he's been he's he's been pretty bad actually um he was he played again when he played against Derby he, he kind of won the penalty but it was actually kind of bad touch that led him there he took it away from goal and he's just not he's a player that looks extremely low on confidence and he's he's not performing at the level he was the season before I think also the a, a big miss for them is the injury of Josh De Silva I think that's been huge huge for Brentford they've not really managed to recover from that and, and produce the same sort of you know football or compensate for that injury in that area um and yeah I think you're right Tony is is the one they're going to rely on but they're not finding a way to consistently use him as efficiently as they were before. I think previously Tony was good. Obviously, he's going to, he's a great goal scorer. He's going to still score goals regardless. But you you could be much more effective with Tony in that side. And they're not they're not creating the opportunities they were. Not the same quality. I think they had 
20 plus shots in their previous game against Forest, but you know they still only scored one goal, and that came from a, from a Tony penalty. Um, they're not producing the same quality of football as they had been. They're still able to kind of build up from the back and have that ball in their own third and, and try and create from there. But going forward and getting into that final third has been quite difficult. And as I said, they've kind of looked to be a little bit more direct to Tony, and it's not really his game as much. Um, I don't think those those wingers are able to contribute at the same at the same level they were previous seasons. I think the big difference between them last year and this season is they had some real exceptional carriers of the ball. Um, Ollie Watkins, Ben Rama, they were player and, and Bremo playing on form. They're players that are capable of transitioning that ball from midfield and defence, and they really don't have that at all this year. Um, Sergi Carlos can be quite direct, but not to the same level that that Ben Rama has been. And obviously, Tony and Watkins are quite different players. Um, both very good. Uh, Tony's probably the better striker in terms of a goal scorer, but it's a different style of of transitioning that ball and they haven't kind of found that balance. And in recent weeks, they've struggled to kind of overcome that. And we've seen that with their lack of productivity in front of goal uh, in terms of open play. Hmm. In terms of shots, I'm going to steal another another a stat from you here, Tom. You've, you've put down a, per 90, Tony is only 17th for shot, uh, but uh, Andre Gray is 13th. So, um, you know, it, it, stats don't tell you everything, do they? They do not. And the thing that just caught my eye, I was just looking to see sort of proportionally how many of their shots he took. You know, was he someone like Harry Kane, for example, a couple of seasons ago in the Premier League was a real volume shooter. He's taking sort of five or six shots per game, which for, well, for anyone, but for a striker is particularly, you know, uh, out there. And I just wondered if uh, Ivan Tony had a similar kind of return this season. They actually didn't, which obviously makes his, his kind of figures all the more impressive. And as you say, the, the fact that Andre Gray is uh, taking more shots rather uh, rather underlines the, the, la- the lack of value in that particular number. Yeah, I just I just think it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think, I don't think Brentford are in the best position right now. I think I do still feel strongly that they're a better team than Swansea, undoubtedly. And I think if you're talking about a team that could turn the corner and and make a push towards the end of the season, it'd be Brentford over over Swansea for me, as as things stand. Um, but what I'm trying to point out is they're they're not in. I think maybe that run of form they had, they had the, that big unbeaten streak in the kind of the middle middle part of the season. I think it's maybe kind of overshadowed some of the the deeper issues that have have come up recently. I think the fact they have dropped off a lot since then kind of, you know, points to that. There are some issues there. And I think just going back and looking through their game, you can see that. And if I'm if I'm comparing them to us, then I see a lot more issues in, in Brentford's team right now. I think there's a lot more holes, whereas we look quite complete. And any team is capable of a slip-up. But if, we, if we're trying to expose and identify particular areas, I see much more in, in Brentford and Swansea than I do ourselves, which is only going to be positive. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I do see some frailties there. Which team, in terms of, readiness is uh is more likely to transition better into the premier league should they get there Ooh, i mean it's a big is it is a broad question it's a massive question though isn't it because i mean you know any one of these teams could get promoted but they could be right back down next season yeah i think the, th- the thing is you've got with with promotion in my opinion you've got two you've got two ways of of, of dealing with it um you either you go up and, and you look to consolidate and and in terms of recruitment, maybe you bring in some some quality in forward areas. Maybe you shore up certain defensive positions. But the ideas, the two philosophies, are you either go up there with the intention to to be compact, change your style of football perhaps a little bit from the way that got you up if necessary, 
as we did when we got promoted and we switched to Kike Sanchez Flores, that defensive coach. And you, you kind of consolidate that first season, you play your percentages and you, you be a little bit more pragmatic and then you look to grow from there. The other option, of course, is um, is, is to go the route of someone like Norwich who have gone up and they try to continue playing the way that got them promoted. And it, it's historically, it's much, much harder to go up and, and play in, a, in an open, free-flowing way and, and score enough goals and make you know pick up enough points to stay up it's very very difficult but then the real key comes in the second season I think the teams that do manage to do that if you manage to stay up playing that style of football if you manage to stay up say Norwich stayed up last year or the season before sorry I think there'd be a much better chance of them moving on in the second season than the likes of say Sheffield United who whilst they were able to be creative um, they did rely on that defensive solidity and that structure and it does hurt you in the second season if you can't adapt quick enough and I think that's something we try to do um, I think the, the Potters deserve credit for that after that first season we cut ties with Flores obviously See, there were some some clear problems there, but I think just the idea and the philosophy behind doing so was smart. In in the sense that defensive style of football isn't gonna isn't gonna last forever. It's not it's not the most stable when it comes to progressing as a club. So if you're talking about teams that are ready made, I think it really depends how they're going to play next season. I think Norwich, you kind of know exactly what they're going to do. With us, though, I do think there's a real question mark whether we kind of lean back into being a more defensive outfit or if we do look to continue as we are and use those creative players. So it's a tough one to answer. Um, but if I had to pick one, I'd maybe even argue Brentford just because I quite trust their recruitment to get things right with that with that extra kind of transfer money and, and maybe find some smart ways to bring in players that help suit their style of football and, and push on a little bit. Ahead of Watford? Well, I mean... I think we've got some quality in our team. I think we, we in some ways, we've got some of the, the best quality in, in, in the league. And I do think it will help that we've managed to retain a lot of that from getting relegated. It's It, it really depends on... I think with Watford, I don't know what they're going to do with the coach. I, I don't know what they're going to do with, with the recruitment. So I, I think it's too much of an unknown for me to say that I'm the most confident in Watford staying up out of that pack. Mm. But then, but my my opinion completely could completely change one way or the other. Come, you know, a few months into the transfer window, until the recruitment is settled, I really don't know because we've got some some areas of the pitch. I do think we'd have to improve upon if we got promoted. If we got promoted, there would have to be some some recruitment, and it wouldn't just be a case of sticking with the players we have and one or two changes. I think it would be quite similar to when we got promoted last time. I think you'd be looking to bring in some some different players and, and a few different options in certain areas. And with COVID and, and with the, the everything as the situation as it is it's unclear to me how how robust will be there but you know it's, it's it's long it's a long it feels a long way off even discussing that stuff now but um yeah it, it's hard to give you a proper answer on that I've not really given you one but Tom why don't you go ahead yeah Tom have a little go <laughs> well I was going to say I was going to I have some thoughts on that but just quickly off the back of something Jordan said there it's probably been forgotten a little bit or buried a little bit is obviously the the situation around around Cisco Munoz you know is he going to be if we go up I presume he will be all right to coach regardless of the fact that he hasn't got the requisite badge because there are there's been precedents in the past hasn't there Gareth Southgate was one of managers that don't have the badge but the requisite qualifications but can do it anyway with some sort of workaround or you know commitment to doing it or and if we don't go up um is he you know thanks and see you later anyway so I think is I think it's very interesting, and I, I hope for, um, I guess continuity's sake, and the fact that I think I agree with Jordan, we probably we do need a a, few, a decent number of signings. Um, I almost hope that for continuity's sake, he he stays, regardless. Um, 
despite having previously said I'll just sack him now it's everything <laughs> going to end that way anyway um, <laughs> as far as the best the kind of the team that if after promotions best sort of suited to staying up and what have you I have to say I think it's Brentford purely because their recruitment is so smart they've been building for this for a while I think Thomas Frank is a really good coach really intelligent guy I think you're just listening to him is enjoyable with the way he talks about the game and I would back them to invest smartly probably not go wild in terms of money and in terms of number of players brought in but bring in the right guys I think Norwich will be stronger than last time as well I do think they're going to go up as champions um, and the fact they've been able to hold on to Timu Puki and he's had another 20 goal season is good obviously some other decent players there Buendia Todd Cantwell as we know but I, I don't think I think they'll probably do something very similar to what they did last time, and mostly take the money and and try and you know avoid relegation with with what they've got. And I just don't know if it'll be any better than uh, than last season. The thing will be fascinating about Brentford is they've done such a good job in terms of recruitment and finding value at Championship level. But of course, as you step up, it becomes much more difficult to do so. Um, they've obviously they've got one of the youngest one youngest average age groups in the league, and they can kind of bring in those young players and they can take those gambles. I think when you get promoted, if you're looking for value, most of that value often comes from veteran players um, that can perform at that level, and it, it's one that you don't necessarily see Brentford doing. I know they've they've taken a chance on Winston Reid recently, and even Pontus Janssen wasn't one of their kind of younger signings. He was 26, 27 when they signed him, or so. Maybe, maybe he's a little bit younger, but still, it's not that that same mould of player they'll be looking at. Then maybe they'll be looking to spend a little bit more money, but then obviously the, the value and the security of that goes out the window when you're spending them bigger fees. So it could be a real interesting really interesting change for them if they if they go up uh, they can't quite stick to that same model they have to adapt and you know knowing Brentford is person is perfectly feasible they'll do so and they'll, they'll do quite well um, but it's not a given it's gonna be a completely different challenge for them and then in terms of the football it's it's a difficult transition as we said you, you just touched on there Tom it looks like Norwich will be quite comfortably champions yet you still feel like they'll have the same issues should they get promoted and and, and look to play the same football they did in, in previous years and they've gone up it's, it's extremely difficult to to transition to the to the Premier League and continue playing in that manner because you're playing against better defenses and more deadly or more efficient um, offenses against you so you know, someone like Pukki is a prime example. He looks fantastic in the championship. He's got all these opportunities to score goals and he's been he's been awesome. But you put him in those Premier League situations against a Premier League defence and they haven't had they haven't had the dominance on the ball to create these chances and it looks a very different side. So you're playing with fire when you go up and do that. And right now, I think we one thing I will say about Watford, this Watford team, is I do think we've got one of the best balances in the league. I think we can play in a in a variety of styles and be effective. If I'm talking about transitioning a squad into different styles of football, I think that's one thing we've done quite a good job of is finding a squad and putting together a team that can play under a variety of coaches which obviously is a smart way of approaching things when your coaches change quite regularly so if you're getting promoted and you look to change coach or just stay with the coach you maybe adapt the way you play even if it's that's with Shishko or not I do think we do at least have the robustness of personnel to adapt to a different system whereas someone like Brentford and Norwich I don't think they're capable of going up and switching to a defensive style of football without a massive upheaval of personnel so I think they have that one option really is just refining it when they get promoted so maybe I'm talking myself into thinking that we are better equipped to stay up if we do <laughs> on that subject of whether Chisco should remain in charge um I I had never even even dreamt it was a possibility before uh Watford got rid of Yukanovich um that, that you should get rid of a head coach after he's achieved 
what you what you've basically asked him to do. And I know there was there was there was contract talks and, and other things behind the scenes as well. But you know, it's it's kind of changed my mind the way that Watford have dealt with things to kind of um, I don't know, no longer think of things with my heart and instead think with with my head. And and you know, I'm not totally against uh, getting the the best manager for for the for the right job and and because the job changes so drastically from when you get promoted to to when you get into the premier league and it's all about trying to sustain and it's a completely different style of football that, you, that you're trying to play it you know it could it could you know warrant a, a change in coach to to sort of impart that different strategy on the players it's a horses for courses situation isn't it is what you're looking at um mm. i think i think we did understanding the club and, and the way they operate to the level that we do as Watford fans gives us a much clearer view of things. Obviously, we face a ton of criticism for changing coaches and I think towards, or in recent seasons, we've maybe lost our way a bit with how we've approached things. But I think we've discussed before on this podcast the, the real positives that we had in that early post reign is there was a clear plan. And I, I think if you look at that plan from a from an objective position and you're not kind of thinking about your attachment to these managers or players, we we implemented quite a smart thought out plan you know you, you find the guy to get you promoted great things didn't work out uh, in terms of negotiation well i don't think we were i think we were maybe considering considering other options anyway considering how we we're going to change um to, to accommodate a new a new standard and kikos and flores did that job i think breaking breaking uh, part in ways with him at the end of the season was was a perfect move you had to do that in my opinion from performances but also progression um and i think Mazzari, whilst it didn't work out i can i can understand what they were thinking there that he has a history of, of developing these sorts of teams and pushing them into something that's a little bit more a little bit more stable and able to kind of compete a little bit higher up in the, in the division i think Mazzari was a good option for that I, I just think a lot of things didn't didn't translate well there I, I think the culture that he brought to the club with his staff i don't i don't think it worked out well i just didn't it just wasn't a good match i don't think Mazzari's a bad coach at all i just think that it was a it was a clash in, in too many important areas and while he did enough I, I think we only saw glimpses of what it could have been but again if we just look at the profile of manager spot on for me I think that's exactly what you want to be doing that's no problem with that at all and then transitioning from that from Mazzari moving forward I thought in bringing Marco Silva again I thought it was another perfect appointment a mutually beneficial uh a mutually, mutually beneficial job uh helps attract a few um, few players perhaps in the sense they're working for a younger kind of more progressive manager you give him an opportunity and Marco Silva to push himself you know in the spotlight and perhaps get a bigger job we're okay with that he's okay with that it, it's exactly where we wanted to be if, we, if we're looking to be a club that's breaking into that top 10 and maybe switch into being a more progressive team that's exactly what he was he was a ball playing uh, manager he wanted us to, to play football and be creative and that's what we needed after Mazzari uh, and after, after Sanchez Flores but of course it didn't work out at all and you know we tried to replicate that in some way with with Gracia and that, and it was amazingly successful for that first season so my point is that there's not always a negative in, in changing that coach as long as you have a plan for doing so um and if we can implement something along those lines and you have to be open-minded and, and think about how the ownership feel and how they how they make the decisions it's not it's not always easy um as a fan because you do get attached to these these coaches and these players but if you're being objective and talking about how you can be most successful sometimes it is to do something like that and that gamble doesn't always pay off and when it doesn't pay off you get a lot of criticism for it when it does then you have to kind of give them the credit for doing so and i think if they did move on from Shishko, as long as their reasoning was good and their replacement worked out, then, you know, you, you can't, you can't give them too much. You can't be too negative about it. 
Okay, um, let's uh, stop looking at the at the Premier League now. And it's my fault. I, I brought it up. I know, but the, the job isn't done. The job is not done. And we need to get back to the job at hand, which is getting back to the Premier League. Uh, so let's have a look at those fixtures again for Watford. Um, and if guys were assuming that, uh, we're well, not assuming, but we're hoping that Watford have got the job done before it comes down to the crunch games of, of Brentford and Swansea, where should we be looking to to make sure that we get those points and what games are going to be the ones that really uh, are, are, are challenging for us. Tom, you haven't spoken for a little while. Let's give you a chance to, to get back into this conversation. No, 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 that's fine. I'm just interested in listening. Uh, what games are the ones that we need to be... Well, I just think it's those It's those first first four, really, isn't it? We've got to be... we The, the momentum that we have and the, the form that we're in, we have to be beating Sheffield Wednesday. And I said earlier, you know, obviously the one against... Uh, Barnsley first win under Darren Moore so suddenly all oh, we get a bit but wide about them but you know even in spite of their six point their, their points deduction they've been down there all season haven't they they've not been a good team they've been in disarray at times um, Middlesbrough and Reading obviously in just outside the playoffs and in the playoffs respectively I don't know quite how good either of those teams are it strikes me that from the outside looking in Reading have maybe been a bit fortunate at times maybe you know struck lucky with some results and kind of ridden the crest of the wave Borough I think you know classic Neil Warnock side really and then Luton's obviously a derby but it's it's those four that are, they look like the best chance of us getting points on paper and if if we can if we can pick up you're going to drop points so if we can pick up nine points out of those I think we've put ourselves in a really good position it's almost like two little sprints isn't it those four and then the final four I've only just clocked as well that the game against the game against Reading's on a Friday too, isn't it? Mm. So that's that's a ridiculous. I mean, we're playing Friday, Monday, Friday. That's that. I mean, you can't. If we're talking about getting the job done beforehand, it's that week. And I mean, the fixtures are crazy. The way it works out, we've got that three huge week of football, isn't it? Three games in in, in seven days, right there. All you know, quite difficult games, really. And then the following game from that is the Luton derby. And then after that, you're in that final run of four, um, including Brentford, Swansea, Norwich. So there's just no breathing room, is there? Um, I think everything depends. I mean, it's a completely obvious statement to make, but everything depends on how we feel going into the final five games will be off the back of those 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 three against Borough, Wednesday and Reading. For me, the, the biggest test, I think, is that Borough game. Um, they'll be the ones to be most concerned about. Reading are, are capable. They're quite physical and they're athletic enough that they can... They can maybe ups, cause a more difficulty than some of the teams that play at a similar level to them. Hence, why they've kind of been in that position, the, the top end of the table, and they've been quite clinical in, at times. Um, but yeah, that that three. If you come out of that with nine or seven points, then that could be that could be the, the difference for me. And it really puts the pressure on on Swansea and and Brentford as well. I, say, I guess if you look at it this way, I think if we come out of that three, if we come out of those three or four games with if we if we attain more if we gain more points in them three or four games than Barnsley and Swansea, then you feel very good about things going forward. That's that's the thing. If we win, obviously, ideally in an ideal world, would get nine out of nine in in that week of football. That would be the best case scenario, of course. But if we come out with six, or if we come out of seven, as long as Brentford and Swansea have done have achieved less, then again you have a similar level of of satisfaction coming out of those three fixtures because you're keeping that lead heading into those games i think for us most important thing put pressure on those those three teams or those two teams in brentford and swansea going into the final four 
Nice little week off for, for Watford in that lead up to the Luton game as well. Yeah, that's, that's going to be much needed, isn't it? it? It's that It feels like that's going to be... It almost feels like two little mini kind of spells, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, that four and four, they're quite separate from each other, it feels, um, in terms of opponent and obviously times being played. Um, or Sorry, three and five almost is what the, the breakup is, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's, it's th- three fixtures within a week. And then another three fixtures within a week, and then yeah. another week, and then you've got uh, Brentford and Swansea. I'm trying um, to work out. So we play we play Norwich midweek, don't we? On, on the twenty. Yeah. yeah, the Luton. I mean, the turnaround in games is insane, isn't it? Mm. Um, but we've been doing that all season, haven't we? I mean, they they're used to it. We have. I think it's just yeah. I mean, we have. It's it's not even just the it's just the the mental fatigue that that will play if I mean it gives the opportunity to bounce back doesn't it but this is where I feel like if you're a Swansea or a Brentford and you're having slip-ups and you're making mistakes you don't have the time mentally to recover almost you you put straight back into that situation and sometimes that's a plus sometimes it's a negative but if you are playing making mistakes and you're not performing I I think it is a negative for the most part and we're talking about what for they're having a break in between that first three and then the second three well Swansea and Brentford they've got an extra game to fit in they, they play Saturday, Tuesday to begin with, don't they? But they both got a game on the 10th of April, which yeah. we, uh, we're on the 9th, so we get an extra day there. But they've both got to fit one more in, haven't they? Brentford's is on the 27th of April. Swansea's one is on April the 14th. Ah, right. So they're going to have games 10th, 14th, 17th and 20th and 24th. So what's that? Five games and 14. That's insane. I mean, that... That's potentially... You can't come out of that. It's almost impossible to come out of that maximum points. I just don't see it happening. From a a physical point of view, from a a mental point of view as well, it's just, you know, to to prepare, to turn around, to be fully tuned in, to perform to the maximum of your capabilities with the mental fatigue thrown in. So how many, sorry, how many games in that? Sorry, how many games and how many days again? Is it 5 and 14? 10th, 14th, 17th, 20th and 24th. I mean, if you look at our five-game win streak, do you feel that's anywhere near achieved? Or have we played that in fourteen days? Because no chance. No, that is is that's extremely unfortunate for them because you. I mean, we have such an advantage in that situation there. I don't care how I don't care how good of a run you are on. I know if you're in good form and you want to have all the games as you know one after the other, you don't want to have that break and and, and stop momentum. But I just don't think you're able to replicate that level of performance across. You know what most of these teams have is a pretty a, a good starting eleven with some depth on the bench. But most teams don't have the the quality and depth to rotate and and produce the same quality. So to have such a, a build up of games in such a short amount of time, I know as you say we've had it all season to some respect, but at such a crucial point of the season and with the importance in these fixtures mm. and, and an even more compressed fixture list, I, I mean, that's a huge disadvantage. And if it does come down to those last two games, uh, Brentford will have to play Rotherham um, just before us on that Tuesday. We don't have a game then. So we've got a whole week to prepare for that Brentford game. Whereas, you know, there's the chance that Brentford could be a little bit tired after, after having played that extra game in the middle, which won't help them at all. No, I think... I think the more you look at this, the the more you, again, I don't want to be too over. We're looking at it with rose tinted glasses, aren't we, John? Uh, we are, but really even are. if you're being objective, though, if we were in Swansea's position, if we we're in Brentford's position, there's, I'm a hundred percent sure we'd be discussing how, if Brentford in our position, sorry, we'd be discussing how how Brentford are the favourites. They've got the advantage, and that I know I've, I've spoken to Swansea fans, I've spoken to Brentford fans, and they feel the same way about us right now. Even if you're just looking at it from, you know. 
the fixtures we have left to play or in terms of the the quantity and the time we're playing in um i just think you, you look at us and you, you you do feel pretty good about it it's it's basically what i'm trying to say is we are in control of the situation um, as much as we can be yeah. and that is the ideal situation to be in and this team right now if i had to choose a, a, a squad of players and and everything that's kind of just as we are as a whole, I feel good about us being in that situation. And there are times as being a Wofford fan where I would I wouldn't feel comfortable with us being in the situation, and I wouldn't feel as confident. But as things as things are, I do feel pretty good that we can we can actually come away from this thing and and, and look at the end of the season and feel pretty proud of what we put together in those final eight games. Okay, good stuff. My thanks to Jordan and to Tom for joining me on this uh, bonus podcast today. Uh, you can find those guys as usual on Twitter at Jordan Weimer and at TB Burdell. Please also follow us at Watford Pod. We'd love a follow on Twitter. And come on, leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. And uh, you know what? I think we should read out some names next week as well, guys, uh, if you if you can remind me. Uh, and, I was going to uh, say, are there any more reviews in? Well, there, there probably are, but I, I haven't bloody looked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what? I hope I hope there are. I hope there are. Uh, is this staying in the podcast? Maybe it is. I don't, who knows? Um, right. Uh, please, please do leave us a review. Um, I know I'm joking about it, but honestly, it it does mean a lot to the analytics side of things. I don't know how it works, but basically, it means that more people sees us. That's a word, and uh, and more people listen to us. Sees us. Yeah, they they sees us. They sees yeah. us. Yeah. Um, but more people sees us, and um, and more people listen to us, and when more people listen to us. Uh, it, it, it's good. Also, I will I will say if you are still listening at this point, if for some reason maybe you're driving, you haven't been able to stop the podcast <laughs> at this point, or your hands are your hands are full or whatever. Um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening, and I think we've had a few nice nice tweets during the week and people have been quite positive about the podcast and had a few private messages and stuff and it's good to hear people are listening and we we do appreciate all the feedback um positive or negative if you have negative feedback let us know if there's ways we can make it better then please get in touch um because it's been it's been good for us to do during this time um it's definitely give us something to think about other than everything that's going on and if it's done anything like that to you guys then that's that's great as well and we like to hear it absolutely tom final thoughts uh, I suspect most cars like mine will enable you to skip ahead, so you probably haven't listened to this bit. Uh, <laughs> we need to start uh, doing a giveaway in the final ten seconds of the podcast, so people definitely listen to this. Point yeah. Right That's yeah. Other, otherwise, what yeah. have we got? What have we got? We, I mean, we, we're not just. Like, you've um, got to put something in the bin, beginning of the podcast that says, "If you want, you know, you got you got to get people wanting to listen to the last ten seconds." Because honestly, this is the most important thing we've said all, all podcast. Listen right <laughs> to the end, guys, and you've got a chance to win. Uh, uh, um, uh, signed Watford long. shirt by the Watford Buzz podcast we, we can devalue your Watford shirt as soon as you bought it <laughs> no one wants no one wants that <laughs> actually 50% off at the minute I mean that's not a bad deal I mean, I'm, I'm not supposed to be plugging Watford or anything but um, <laughs> I mean I guarantee it's all extra small than double XL though. yes it probably yeah, is yeah exactly it? yeah, yeah. You know what? I really desperately wanted to get one of those um, stripy ones for the, the, mm. the, the FA Cup final I did manage yeah. to get one so gutted so gutted uh hey i've got i've got some some very embarrassing photos um when i was far too old to be going into the club store to meet the managers um oh no what i decided to do was um get uh like a shirt and have the manager present it to me as if i was a new signing um i don't know why so i would get uh, that's awful behavior i've got one one of beppe sonino and that that wasn't that long ago was it so he was he's presenting me uh 
shirt. Please post this for us. Um, I think I've got similar one. He would have no idea what was going on, would he? <sighs> that well, could be the giveaway. I told him. I told him what I wanted to do. <laughs> I told him what I wanted to do. <laughs> and it's Alan, obviously. Probably intimidating with this thirty-five-year-old coming up there with a Watford shirt. <laughs> I'm not that old. Yeah. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm not thirty-five yet. <laughs> I'm only messed up. <laughs> oh, so as that uh, embarrassing story settles, uh, actually, I'm not. I'm now praying, Tom, that uh, that people have skipped this section because because I don't want people to know. Um, okay, well, uh, that just leaves me to say uh, we'll be back for another pod. Uh, another what for pod? Back to usual programming after the Sheffield Wednesday game. So uh, from Jordan, from Tom, and from myself, it's uh, goodbye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.